Hello everyone, and welcome to the Quick Connect Podcast, the show that is about giving you the best insights and advice on leadership and leadership development. Now, let's jump right into today's episode. In a world where there are too many podcasts, only one person can bring balance to the chaos. It's time for the Quick Connect Podcast. Please welcome your host, the Senior Vice President of Services, Tim Rogers. Welcome to Quick Connect, where we take a direct approach to leadership and leadership development. I'm your host, Tim Rogers, and I'm excited to have a guest with us today. I'm going to get to her in just a second, but I want to talk a little bit about um, what's coming up over the next three podcasts. So we are starting a three-part series that will cover how to prevent the five common dysfunctions within a team and about the leadership relationships or the, the how the leader develops the relationships and how it affects team effectiveness and how it affects productivity. So pretty excited about that. So now it's time to introduce our guest, Ms. Lori Elliott, who is a regional service manager um, at the company. And then she's got 30 years of behavioral health experience. So I think Lori's a great um, person to have on the podcast, have a conversation about building trust, vulnerability, and the dysfunctions within a workplace if you don't have those things. So welcome, Lori. Thank you. Glad to be here. I'm glad you're here. Um, so 30 years behavioral health experience, that's quite a bit. Yes, it is. That's quite a bit. Yes, and I started when I was four. You started when you were four, exactly. I know that. I know that for sure. Mm-hmm. So what was your biggest takeaway from those 30 years? Oh, goodness. That we're all human and we all have issues and we all need to work on them. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. yeah nobody's nobody's exempt from the challenges. Definitely not. Um, being human, right? Definitely. So there's faults everywhere, right? So before we get started, let's kick things off with the quote of the day. Here is a little wisdom, knowledge, and enlightenment to take with you. It's time for the Quick Connect Quote of the Day. I'll read out the quote, and then you can let me know a little bit what you think about the quote. So this is what I've got for today. Don't be afraid to show your vulnerability. Be transparent with your team, even when the truth may be unpopular or inconvenient. It's a quote by Bill George. What comes to mind when you hear that quote, Lori? Mm -hmm. Well, I think, first of all, when we start a sentence with don't be afraid, it makes us afraid <laughs> because there's something that vulnerability raises our anxiety. It's great wisdom, though. So if we can be vulnerable with our team and we can trust them and have them trust us at all levels, then the consequence of that, the outcome of that is going to be a much more productive team, a much better team that works more solidly together and are, is more successful. So it's great wisdom. It's really easy to be a, a leader when your data is good, your goals have been met. You know, then it's easy to communicate with your team. But when the message is hard or the message is going to be unpopular, like he talks about, you know, be transparent even when it's inconvenient and unpopular. Well, that's not quite as fun. Right. So it does take that relationship that we've hopefully already established that trust that hopefully we've already established to get that message across. Great comments, Laura. I, w- I want to echo those as well. I think it's really important. You know, I hear it all the time in different conversations, um, whether it be from a leader or somebody in an organization saying, how do I connect better with a coworker? How do I connect better with my boss per se? Or, or a leader saying, how do I connect better with a, a particular employee? And, and I have found that the vulnerability piece is huge. If you really kind of talk about where you have that vulnerability or give an example that shows that you're a human, it's easier to connect to that person. 
And I think when people are connected, I don't say they work harder for each other, but they work harder at least in the same direction with the same goal. Most definitely. Right? So I think when you're on the same team, you're vulnerable and you build the trust, it's easier to get to the goal, mm -hmm. um, I, I think for sure. Um, one of the fears of, of being vulnerable with their team is, is preventing them from building trust is that they're, they're a little nervous about it. They're afraid to look weak. Mm -hmm. And so they don't want to do it. Mm -hmm. So let, let me ask you a couple of questions. Have you personally seen any benefits from a high trust environment? And what are they? they I certainly have. And as we know, it's easier to talk about what we've seen when the trust level is low, right? We see conversations in the break room. And they're focused on talking about somebody rather than to somebody. We see people coming late for meetings. We see grumbling. We see people calling off sick, that sort of thing. And the opposite is true. In a high trust relationship environment at work, we're going to see those same conversations in the break room, but they're going to be positive. People are going to be talking about, what did I do over the weekend? How can I help you with this issue? Problem solving, that sort of thing. So the it's just going to be much more positive in a trusting relationship at work. And people are going to want to help one another rather than grumbling um, and whining about, you know, the issues that are going on. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, it's it's huge. It's a huge difference. You know, I got, I got a few stats here, if you don't mind stats, um, I'd like to share. A Claremont uh, graduate university professor by the name of Paul Zak wrote that compared with people at low trust companies, People at high trust companies report 74% less stress, 106% more energy at work, 50% higher productivity, 13% fewer sick days, 76% more engagement. And I can go on and on and on with all these right. percentages. That's pretty powerful. Mm -hmm. When you think about 74% say less, we live in a pretty stress-filled environment today. Mm -hmm. Our society is full of stress. Right. If we have the right relationships in our workplace where we spend as much time as anywhere in our lives, right, as at work, mm -hmm. and you have 74% less stress and 106% more energy at work, right? that's a big deal. I'm assuming you already put forth a lot of effort at work, right, and a lot of energy. For sure. And if you're in an even higher trust environment or developing that with your entire team, it's even more. Mm -hmm. It's conducive to get more out of it. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a really interesting what you said in terms of how it builds, how the trust is built and what people will do for each other and stop the gossip mm -hmm. and start working with each other and for each other. And then you throw those stats on top of it. So mm -hmm. that's pretty interesting. I have another question for you. I got a couple of them actually. How, how have you established trust within your team? What do you specifically do as a leader? What can you share with our audience that what a leader could or should do to help build trust? Right. Place? The advantage that I have is my number one value is connection. So for, for folks who and I'm an introvert. I know sometimes that's hard to uh, believe, but I truly am. I, I get drained if I'm around too many people. I'm having to interact too much. So I'm an introvert. And yet my value is connection. So the kinds of connection I want to make with my team is real, genuine connection. I don't want to do the superficial stuff. I connect with each person at locations as much as possible. And obviously, I think before I even continue on, with that, one of the challenges is that you don't just build trust and go home and check the box and say, okay, I've built trust, it's done. It's all the time. It's interaction after interaction. It's, you know, what, what words did you put out and were they building trust or were they tearing people down? Were they filled with shame? Were they building people up? Building trust is an ongoing, all the time interaction. So connection is huge. I have those individual conversations with the different folks on our teams. The other thing I do is when I'm talking to them, I'm asking, 
you know, what can we do for you? And, and many people in our organization do that. They say the same thing. My brain gets filled with a lot of things during the day. I don't want to forget. So when I'm talking with somebody and they say, I really need a such and such, or I wish we could do so and so, then I write it down and I follow up because I don't want them to think that that conversation was just for show. I want them to know that I really care about what do they really need and then follow up with that. Holding up accountable, holding myself accountable. If I don't know the answer to something, which there are plenty of things I don't know, I will make sure I connect them with someone, whether they email me or call me. We do tons of three-way calls because someone will call me and say, you know, what do, you, what do we do about this? I don't know. Let's get, you know, Chris on the line. Let's get Denise on the line. Let's get so-and-so. And then we figure that out. So follow through and accountability. I also mess up. And when I mess up, instead of trying to cover it up, I say, you know what? I messed up. I dropped that ball. I forgot such and such. I didn't do a very good job with whatever. And, and just own it. And people respect that. They're very gracious, at least in right. the company they are. You know, you know, I think vulnerability, you really touched on a few points there that touched the vulnerability. Owning it, yeah. right? Acknowledging that you don't know things. Right. That's huge. That makes the connection right there. Right? Yeah. It's just saying, you know, I don't know. Right. But I think shifting then into the problem-solving skill set, where you actually then get them in the phone and then make a three-way call and get the solution, right. also tells that person, hey, what I had to say or my question was important. Because right. not only did she admit she didn't know, but then she got somebody on the phone who did know immediately. Mm -hmm. She didn't say, I'll get to it next week. Right. It was right away. Mm -hmm. So that builds trust that I can call her and not feel ashamed of my question right. and get a result. Right. You know, and I think that's pretty powerful. Right. I think that's very and powerful. we have to take the, the stance of, I can't just lean on, I don't know. I can't just end with that excuse. Right. I have to find right. out, okay, if I don't know, then let's figure out who right. does know the answer to that. Right. And there's enough things going on in our world. There's a lot of things you don't know, like you said. Right. Plenty of things you don't know. Right. Especially if you're new to the company or you're new yeah. to any organization and you're kind of yeah. figuring it out. A lot of leaders go in a place because they they have great leadership skills, but it's a different widget, mm -hmm. if you will. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of things they don't know. Right. Right. Definitely. And so you spent a lot of time learning and you kind of did that when you left the behavioral health environment yep. and came here. Mm -hmm. It was a little bit of, I don't know anything about this widget. It was a <laughs> lot of that. <laughs> a lot. And so you spent a lot of time learning the mm -hmm. widget, but at the same time you were building the relationships and building trust with the folks in your group. Mm -hmm. And that allowed you to take that time and learn the widget. Right. Because they slowly became on your team. Right. Because of what you did based on the vulnerability and the trust and all those things that you did. Mm -hmm. Is there any specific methods that you use? I mean, I, you know, in terms of, I know you do it by building the connection and being vulnerable and, and, and owning it. Is there any other type of method that you use specifically you could think of that says, hey, I really go after it in this, this way? No, I think... Like I said, the building trust is a constant. So I don't, I don't go into my day thinking, what am I going to do to build trust? I just continue to, to do that to pattern. Be, I connect, right. I apologize, I <laughs> get them what they want, um, and I cheerlead for them. And I, and I try really hard to do two other things. I really try hard to assume the best in people. If we see, okay, our, our numbers are, are really low this month or our you know, such and such didn't happen or somebody did something that we thought was, you know, they shouldn't have done. I really try to take the stance of assuming the best in them. And quite honestly, I do that because I hadn't in the past and I've been burned. I would assume, you know, they did something because they were whatever, trying to get away with it or lazy or I don't right, know what. Right. And, and I've been burned and people have taught me 
that they really are trying to do their best. And so if I go into things problem solving with assuming that there's some logical reason or, you know, they're going to tell me something that gives me a better perspective on what happened. Um, I'm much better off with that. Well, I think if you receive everything and that it comes from a place of positive intent. Yes. Um, every once in a while you get let down a little bit yeah. because there are, there are bad actors in the yeah. world. But for the most part, you could keep your, your cup half full. That's right. Right. Half full, easier to connect and then easier to, to follow up. Right. Yeah. And solve problems. Yeah. Our teams start to think that she's got my back or he's trying to understand me or, you know, whatever the case may right. be. Right. Kind of back to what we said earlier, there's a misconception that equates vulnerability to being weak or submissive. Um, I think that's untrue. It actually takes right. courage to replace your professional distancing with uncertainty and emotional exposure. So thinking about that, what are your thoughts on using vulnerability to gain the trust? I, I realize that it's the idea of, hey, I own it um, mm -hmm. and I don't know everything. Mm -hmm. But throughout your 30 plus career, yeah. uh, how have you learned to navigate that when you use vulnerability? Does that ever backfire? Yeah. Oh, it has backfired. And yet more times than not, the outcome is so much more positive. If If I'm vulnerable, and it doesn't mean telling people my whole life story or saying I'm sorry every other word. It doesn't mean that sort of thing. It's just being a real person. The folks that we support want to know that their leader is a real person, that yes, we know some of the answers, but we don't have to know all of them. Yes, we have their back. Yes, we have to make hard decisions. And yet we're going to do that knowing that we trust them. They trust us. We're all in this together. We're going to partner um, so that we can all be successful. It's right. not any gotcha kind of moment. Right, right. Agreed. Now, that, that's kind of how you're developing relationships. I got a question from a little bit different angle. So how can a leader help their team be vulnerable with each other in mm. order to build trust between the different coworkers? Right. Right. Where you're maybe not there every day and you're not involved owning those things. You're saying, how do you build that trust or, or give them the vulnerability or believe in that enough to do it with each other? How do you do that as a right. leader? Well, first of all, too, when we talk about teams, I automatically go to the folks that I support. When I think of my team, that's the first team I think about. And yet I've got three teams. I've got that team. I've got the team of my peers and I've got the team of those above me. So interacting with individuals at all three of those levels is really important. And I do similar things with those above me, my peers and those that I support. And I forgot the question. <laughs> no, it was, yeah, how can we help them be vulnerable with each other? <laughs> okay. So some of the things that we've done recently um, in our team meeting is we started with a really benign question. We started with, where are you from and where were you raised? Because some of the folks on my team, they're, they're very, um, very introverted, very um, anxious. They don't know each other very well. So we wanted something that, okay, where you were born, most people don't, that's not a problem to right. talk about that um, and talk a little bit about where you were raised. And it was really cool because they were able to have connections with each other. You know, oh yeah, I was born on the East Coast right. too, or yes, I moved 25 times as a child too, or I, you know, lived in the same house for 15 years or whatever. So little baby steps like that, you don't want to have them jump in the deep end. You know, you don't want to say, spend the, the week together on a vacation. I mean, it, it doesn't have to be anything that extreme, but a small baby step of trying to just connect. I think as leaders, we need to do that vulnerability piece first, especially if our team members are nervous because we're the, the leader that doesn't come in and see them very often. 
So we need to be able to say, this is what I did, or this is what I need help with, or this is what I think about that. What do you think? So that we model what we want to have happen. Right. Exactly. You know, something I do during interviews, I've lived in seven states myself. I've moved Mm -hmm. a bunch. And so during interviews, if they're anywhere near those states I've lived in, I'll say, hey, did you grow up here? Where are you from? Have you always been in this city? Mm -hmm. And I've noticed it's not all the time, of course, because I only lived in seven states, not 50, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But if any time that it's crossed over where we have a similar connection, you see the defenses go down even because that's an anxious time Mm -hmm. for the interviewee, Mm -hmm. especially. And so when you see the defenses come down, they become more open with you and all. And then you can ask the right questions in the interview and really find out about somebody because they let the defenses down. Right. right. And you're a real person then. Then you're a real person. Yeah. You know, I'm from there as well, or I traveled through there. I used to go there, whatever it might be. You can make a connection and then you're just like they are. You're traveling around doing whatever you need to do and you're a real person. Most of So I think that's really important. What advice do you have for leaders or team members who are afraid to be vulnerable with the rest of the team? What's the one piece of advice you would give? The outcome is worth the vulnerability. The outcome is worth the anxiety. Because as you said, look at all those stats you just read off. Right. If you can be vulnerable, you're going to see a reward. And it doesn't mean you're going to see it tomorrow or the next day. It takes time. It takes consistency. But the reward will be there for you. That's, and, that's great and that's advice. not why we do it. No, that's no, not of course why not. we do it. No. Yeah. And yet it's still, you're still going to have that outcome. Right. No, that's great advice. I love that yeah. advice. I'm going I'm to read something here before we go to the next section. Um, Patrick Lencioni is a well-known author who wrote, The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. According to Lencioni, a lack of trust is the first and most damaging dysfunction because without trust, a team is limited in everything they're trying to accomplish. A lack of trust leads to four other dysfunctions. Unresolved conflict, a lack of commitment, a lack of accountability, and ultimately poor results, which we talked about all of those items over the last 10 or 12 minutes, right? Right. One dysfunction leads to another, so they must be overcome in order. That bit of information there that he wrote, I mean, really speaks to organizations in every field, no matter what it is, like no matter what industry it is, no matter what your situation is or what your role is. Mm -hmm. If it's dysfunctional due to a lack of trust, you are going to have those challenges in that order. And the only way to solve for it is to start at the very beginning, and that's to build the trust. Right. That, that it really stuck out to me. as like, wow, that's really powerful because that's what's happening in places where there is no trust. You get poor results right. and there's the whole process that gets there. So that's why we started our three-part series talking about and building or rebuilding trust. Um, and the next episode of this series, we'll cover how conflict and commitment tie into productivity within an organization. So that's kind of why we broke it down into the three, uh, three different um, series or within the series, three different shows. Um, podcast, because I think it's really important that we kind of break it down step by step in that order. Mm -hmm. So I think that'll be exciting. So now we're going to shift gears a little bit. We're going to go to the lightning round. If you've ever listened to Quick Connect, which I'm sure you have, Mm -hmm. uh, because everybody has, right? Everyone Uh, has. (laughs) It's time for the lightning round. So the lightning round is I'm going to ask you some questions and you get to answer with one word. Oh, goodness. So Got to tell the audience, Lori has not seen the questions. So here we go. Lori's nervous about the Lori's nervous about the question. What is the first word you think of when you hear high trust environment? Connection. Connection? No. I probably should have guessed that one. You should. That's a good question, right? Mm-hmm. All right. Name a characteristic of a person who is trusted by the rest of their team. What's a characteristic of a person? Respect. And I'm gonna I'm gonna break the rules. Yep. I I think not shaming others is huge as well. Okay. All right. That makes sense. Name a characteristic of a person who is not, tr- is not trusted by the rest of the team. Deception. Dishonesty. Deception. Mm-hmm. That is destroys relationships. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's not good. It's, it's not good. 
Uh, number four, maybe there's only five, right? What is the one thing that can damage trust within the team? And uh, you might have just given the answer. Well, I, I am, I'm breaking the rules again. Throwing somebody under the bus, taking responsibility for what they did, not praising them when it's, it's their creation. Right. You know, there's a good quote to live by, and it's that uh, more gets done when you don't care who gets credit. So if you're just honest, if you think about others, you, you don't care who gets the credit, it right. builds a relationship and builds trust. So great answer. All right, number five, this is the big one, mm -hmm. okay? This is the most challenging one. What are your plans for 4th of July? Spend five hours with my favorite kids. <laughs> I'm so excited. Are they all your favorite, right? They're There's all my them, favorite. Right? They're all my favorite. Yep. Yes. So they're all going to be there wait. in a little while. You just spend yeah. time with them. Yeah. Well, that's good. I'm, I'm happy for you and the family. So mm -hmm. um, outstanding. Lori, I want to thank you for your time today. I thank you for coming in and having this conversation. I think it's really, really important that the message gets out there. That And it's all over the place right now. It's People are talking about trust and vulnerability in the workplace a lot. Most definitely. There's been so much change over the last few years where people have left jobs or gone back to jobs or have quit. I've read stats as much as, you know, 65% of people that changed jobs in the last 12 months now regret it. Right. And a lot of that's culture driven, right? You can be where you're at and have the culture you're looking for. And maybe you find a little bit more money on the other side of the fence. You get over there and the culture's not right. And now you regret making the move. Right. Money doesn't really make the difference. The culture does, the trust, right? What the leader brings to the table, the relationships you have within it. So thank you so much for being here today. I really appreciate your insight and the knowledge that you have when it comes to building teams and the connection that you make. So thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. This was great. You bet. So for everybody out there, I'm excited to say again that we're going to have uh, part two and part three. Uh, part two will be in September, part three in December. It's a, a three-part series, as I mentioned. Uh, excited about it as we get down this path uh, of the five dysfunctions and, and what it's going to take to not have those in your workplace, right? And the things that you can do to avoid that. Um, so in, in closing, whether you are a leader in title uh, or in position, doesn't matter. If you are a mother, a father, a grandmother, a grandfather, an aunt and uncle, a best friend, if you have influence, you are a leader. Thank you for joining Quick Connect, and we'll see you next time. You have just listened to the Quick Connect podcast with your host, Tim Rogers. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time.